September 14, 2022, the Vermont Park Board is called to order. Recording Secretary, will you take Please say here when I say your name. Board Member Amy Ambrosini. Board Member Tammy Cohen. Here. Board Member Tessa Hansen. Present. Board Member Crystal Vinson. Present. Board Member Roshan Parikh. Present. Vice Chair Mike Holland. Here. Chair Amanda Judd. Here. Staff present are Deputy Director John Lloyd, Park Planning and Development Manager Mary Gardaki, Parks Operations Manager Jason Filan, Recreation Manager Sarah Schellenbarger, Human Services Manager Jen Boone, Management Analyst Hillary De La Cruz, and Heather Lance Brazil, Administrative Assistant. Thank you, Heather. The forum is present. Um, now's the time for the land acknowledgement, and I am here to read that for us tonight. We acknowledge that the Southern Salish Sea region lies on the unceded and ancestral land of the Coast Salish peoples, Duwamish, Muckleshoot, Puyallup, Skykomish, Snoqualmie, Snoqualmish, Suquamish, and Tulalip tribes, and other tribes of the Puget Sound Salish people and that present-day city of Kirkland is in the traditional heartland of the lake people and the river people. We honor with great gratitude the land itself, the first people who have reserved treaty rights and continue to live here since time immemorial, and their ancestral heritage. Who would like to read the land acknowledgement at our next meeting in January? Is that in person? Do you want the answer before you finalize your offer? <laughs> <laughs> I hope we have that. Okay. Good Thank you. Um, I will now open items from the audience. It does not look like we have any audience members, so I will close the items from the audience portion of the meeting. Um, now we'll move on to approval of the minutes. The November 9, 2022 minutes draft was uh, distributed in our board packet. Are there any corrections or amendments to the meeting or to the minutes? Okay. With um, hearing that the minutes are approved as presented. Uh, now open the business items portion of the meeting. The first item of business is Park Board member reports. Does any Park Board member have any reports that they would like to share? Sean? I presented a summary of the gross plan to the market with the association. And unfortunately, there were only about six of us there. So. Any, any questions, comments? There was, there was a lot of talk about it, um, the proposed bond measure and the siting of the, the potential sites for the indoor aquatics. And right after this, uh, one of my fellow market neighborhood association residents, uh, he serves on the, the, the PFED, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then he gave an update for his most recent meeting. So that was good. Nothing to report except that there was some interest and some discussion. Awesome. Thank you. 
So, um, I had the pleasure of uh, attending the uh, Highlands Neighborhood Association last month in November. Uh, and I'm also on their agenda for on January 7th to present the PROS plan and also the, uh, the PFEC uh, update. Um, my comment about the, their November meeting was, I found it really interesting. They had three presentations. Two of them were from the city of Kirkland staff. Uh, and I'm just going to mention these only because they're kind of interesting and your associations might want to take advantage of these presentations also. Um, so David Barnes made a presentation. David is the guru of, of heat pumps and he's, he's, the, he's the evangelist for, for heat pumps in Kirkland and also in the greater east side. Um, very, very good presentation. Um, Second thing from the city of Kirkland was uh, Katie, Katie Hogan, environmental program coordinator. And she gave, gave a very interesting presentation about trees. What, what the process is to replace trees on your residential property. And what you can and can't do. We all have trees. And we want to get rid of them or we want more trees, whatever. It's a hot topic. And Katie is the person who knows everything about it, did a great, great job. And the last one was kind of an interesting, it's a, just a, a citizen who is concerned about how long are cars idle. And she is, she's leading a char, uh, an anti-idling campaign. Uh, annually, idling, car, idling cars generate 30 million tons of CO2. So that's, that to me was a staggering number. That's nationwide. Just the, just the United States, not internationally. But again, um, all three very interesting presentations. And if your, your associations ask you what they might do, those are some interesting ones.
things in the last few weeks, and I just want to give kudos to Sarah and your team. They do a phenomenal job. They are well-loved and attended by the community, and I think that's so important. Those activities and those recreations and just creating that sense of community. And so,
the depth and breadth of recreation services that are currently offered in Kirkland, and then we talk after that about some of what can happen if we have more space, um, or what the big waitlisting needs are. So I think if I hit play. Hi, I'm Sarah Schellenberger, Recreation Manager for the City of Kirkland. The Parks and Community Services Recreation Team facilitates learning and light bulbs going off. We provide opportunities for people to meet their neighbors, to make new friends, to gain skills, and to gain confidence. I like to think of these as little magic moments. We get to provide space for these magic moments that together build community in Kirkland. We offer enrichment programs for all ages. This includes parent-child classes focused on play, movement, art, reading, and music. We offer programs for preschoolers that dabble in cooking, dance, and sports. We also provide an outdoor preschool. We provide child care for youth after school, on spring break, and during summer break. Summer camps vary from traditional day camps to camps focused on sports, STEM, art, filmmaking, and outdoor skills. Other youth programs include sports leagues and special interest classes like martial arts and musical theater. Adults and older adults can partake in a variety of sports, fitness, dance, and art classes, as well as health and wellness programs. At the pool, we offer swim programs for babies as young as six months all the way up to adults. We connect people with services. Particularly for older adults in Kirkland, we connect people with nutrition programs, with social or support groups, with medical and dental resources, and with transportation services. Hi, I'm Marika Burgess, Recreation Supervisor with the City of Kirkland. Where do our programs take place? We have two community centers, the Peter Kirk Community Center in downtown Kirkland, and the North Kirkland Community Center in the Juanita neighborhood. We offer aquatics program at the Peter Kirk Pool, which is our outdoor pool, and is open for about three months in the summer. We manage Heritage Hall. This is a historic building used for things like our new outdoor speaker program, some youth camps, rentals, and has been the site for wellness activities like yoga. And of course, programs take place outside in our parks. Recreation staff have an important first line of contact customer service role. Our team at City Hall in particular works closely with community members to connect them with park amenities and resources. We work with community members to find the perfect picnic area for their family reunion, birthday party, or celebration. We provide garden space for people to grow their own veggies in one of Kirkland's three community gardens. We tackle the complex task of allocating and scheduling athletic field space for local Little League organizations, for soccer clubs, for lacrosse teams, for softball teams, at both city parks and certain Lake Washington school district fields in Kirkland. We provide water safety services in the form of lifeguards at our three swimming beaches. From early July through Labor Day, lifeguards are on duty seven days a week at Houghton, Juanita, and Waverly beaches. We provide customer service and sell season boat launch passes for the marina. We partner with local businesses to operate in parks as concessionaires. Think your local ice cream truck or paddleboard rental. We rent indoor facilities to private groups for weddings, religious services, and other community gatherings. We want to highlight a few pilot programs from this past year that we are particularly proud of. 
we were able to offer these primarily with grant funding and Federal American Rescue Plan Act dollars, ARPA for short. Hi, I'm Jared Hain, the Recreation Supervisor at the Peter Kirk Community Center. This summer we provided outdoor adventures for 200 teenagers. Adventures included guided hiking trips, nature walks, outdoor yoga, river floating, and kayak tours. Recreation and youth services staff conducted extensive outreach to reach youth who historically haven't had access to outdoor recreation or haven't felt welcome in outdoor spaces due to systemic racism and inequality. These outdoor adventures for teens were entirely free. Grant funding allowed us to provide transportation, lunch, snacks, and hiking gear to all youth. We were also able to purchase hiking boots for kids who didn't have adequate footwear. We've also hosted monthly free tea nights. These have included a movie night, an ice cream social, a video game tournament, an evening of yard games at Heritage Hall, a murder mystery night, and trivia games. Staff are also hosting classes and workshops for teens, including cooking classes, art classes, and life skills workshops on financial literacy and employment preparedness. Hi, my name's Adam Quaints, and I'm the Recreation Supervisor at the North Kirkland Community Center. Rock and Roll is another program we piloted this summer. It was a mobile recreation program focused on inclusivity and access by bringing recreation to youth in their neighborhoods. Staff visited a different Kirkland neighborhood each Friday. We brought a van full of games and activities directly to the youth. It was a free program and designed to minimize typical barriers to participate in recreation programs, such as cost and transportation. We also provided lunch, snacks, sunscreen, and water for the youth. We estimate we had about 400 participants in this program. You may have heard of or even attended some of our piloted community building events we've produced over the past year and a half. These events, funded by ARPA dollars, were created to help with COVID response in terms of getting folks out and socializing and supporting local economic development. We also strive for the events to be culturally relevant to community members and representative of Kirkland's diversity. For example, we hosted a festival in May celebrating food and artisanal goods representing Kirkland's international community. This year, we partnered to host Dia de los Muertos and are planning a Lunar New Year celebration. Other events have included the Harvest Festival, with artisan craft vendors, food trucks, a pie-eating and corn-shucking contest, a kids' area, traditional harvest games, and apple pressing. Sea Spot Splash, where we invite dogs and their humans for a pool party at the end of the summer season. Our outdoor summer movie series, where we show movies on a big LED screen in the park. The City of Kirkland is also proud to provide scholarships for all of the classes and recreation programs we offer. We believe that every one of our residents should be able to access the community's parks, programs, and facilities to live happier, healthier lives. We hope you've enjoyed this overview of recreation programs in the city. For more information about parks and community services, please go to our website at kirklandwa.gov. arrows. Hit the arrow again.
Hi, I'm Gracie. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Okay, many escapes. There we go. <laughs> Good. <to see> you. <laughs> um, great. So that we just really wanted to show that because I think it's such a good showcase of the work that um, everyone does, and feedback members especially love seeing that. And then this is just a snapshot of the website materials related to last week's feedback meeting. So we had a meeting. Um, that was, we had about 27 PFED members last week, which was a bit, little less than we've been having as our, our, we have 45 total, our normal's been about 37, 39. It was our first meeting in person after a while, and um, various things that you might a few people to not be able to attend, but we're glad that we have recordings that we'll put up for PFED members and for anyone else who would like to watch. Um, but Michael Olson, the city's director of finance and administration, talked about property tax, in Washington State and the limitations that we have thanks to our lovely cap of 1% on annual growth in property taxes. Um, and he also talked about what that really looks like in Kirkland. Um, and then we had um, Alice Ostedek, who is the city's bond council lawyer, um, and she did a really deep dive into funding mechanisms available for the park's potential ballot measures. And so she talked about lift lifts, permanent types, and uh, temporary types, we talk about bond ballot measures where you have voted excess levies um, and metropolitan park districts. And there's a lot of helpful information in her slides. Um, the videos from Michael and George we posted within the next two days, you're still recording Alice's slides. Um, but there's a lot of information available on the website. And then George Dugdale, the city's financial planning manager, talked a little bit about the kind of the high level overview of the city's budget, really focusing on how things are, decisions are made, how allocations are made, and the, the limited funds at which there really are to play with things, kind of sharing the message that there's not enough funding to do these really big item investments um, without having a new funding source. And so this information really helping PFED members kind of all get in the same base level understanding, um, and as um, Kurt Triplett, our city manager, was sharing, trying to say, you know, it's not a mystery, what happens, and also showing people that we have experts that are here, like the bond council and our finance team to really support through the process of figuring out what recommendations could be, making sure everyone has the materials they need to make decisions. Um, and we'll be talking about more of these in January and February as well. And PFED members, um, so this is, I really do encourage you, if you're interested in this stuff, to go to the uh, parts ballot web page and review the materials, because it's it's great. And that little clip is a, a fun little video. It's actually really, it's like five minutes. And if you have friends that are wondering about how property tax works, that's kind of a video targeted towards just helping people understand how your property taxes are affected by um, changes. And then um, I just wanted to kind of end, and then on this note of we're kind of halfway through PFEX scheduled time, and so the next things we're doing in January are we are going to have, um, based on the pros plan and other community engagement, the potential list of ballot measure investments will be brought to PFEC members with what it would cost um, for those different items to be on a ballot. And then in on January 26th, and I realize I think I put a different date on the slide, it's 26th, not the 27th, um, but the, we'll have the feasibility study results from consultants and um, PFEC members will be talking about that, and then they're really going to go through a process of figuring out what 
package items they want to recommend to City Council and what type of funding mechanism they want to recommend to City Council. So we're really grateful for PFAC members' time and the kind of community voices to help figure out what community might have appetite for and desire around everything. Um, so I know that was a lot of information I just covered. Does anyone have any questions or thoughts that you want to share right now? This change. This has changed since the last time we've seen it. It has changed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So let me. Yeah. That, thank you for asking that. We had this a tour. Yeah. We had this tour. Was like. Yeah. The tour was supposed to be December first. Um, that was a very snowy day, um, and so we did not drive to Sammamish. So we're doing the tours on um, January 9th and January 21st in two groups, and crossing our fingers that it won't be snowy this time. <laughs> and then, um, at one point. An earlier study, um, an earlier iteration said the feasibility study results were going to be shared at the first January meeting, but because of the kind of refocus on just two sites only, but more options at those two sites, um, we switched that to be on January 26th. But it's still the same, like four meetings in the new year. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Any other questions? a general question that has, doesn't really have anything to do with the ballot measure, but if the Houghton Park and Ride does not become the site where the that is chosen, is that going to become a park in the future? That's a, that's a good question. I'd say, I'd say this, so the city's in the process of acquiring the property, and it seems pretty likely that the city will get the property. Um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. I think it would be an interesting I think there'd be a lot of lot more discussion. To, yeah, yeah. I, I would have to use bigger park sure, but yeah. they, they might look at that and say, "Well, we could use that for X or Y." Right, right, right. So, yeah. there's not a lot of parcels that size. That right. Yeah. So. yeah. I like So just to, you know, the, the feasibility study really highlighted uh, two sites, uh, Crystal, that were far superior than anything else, and probably those will indeed be the sites, but a great question. Yeah. And, and my other comment was, we're, as, we're about halfway through the process with PFAC, and I would have to say the first half was great background information, orientation, kind of get up to speed kind of meetings and presentations and information sharing. The next five meetings, the rubber hits the road. This is where it gets real serious now. Uh, starting with two meetings in, in January and the two in February. And then we make a presentation to council where, see the January one is you're looking at deep dive into investment options and what they really mean. And then on the 26th, we talk about the results of the feasibility study, validating are those really good sites and pros and cons, to finalize those. And then the meetings in February, using the pros plan that we generate, we help generate with the, with the, with the department, um, Project selection and funding mechanism. This is, is okay. 
what do you want to fund? What projects are you going to do besides the aquatic center and recreational facilities? Pickleball courts. I mean, this, this, this is a lot going on in the month of February. And then the last meeting of February is the final recommendations. Package it and get the presentation ready for council. That's a lot of work in a very short time frame. So it should be interesting. I appreciate that idea. I think you were outlining the important task ahead. And so I think it's, you know, we're excited about this. We're also bringing in a, um, we have a facilitator that's going to be helping PFEC through this process, so an outside facilitator, with all those conversations about prioritization. Um, yep. But they'll, you know, we really want to be hearing how, um, how community members through PFEC are feeling about items. And so I'm sure that you'll be hearing more buzz around the community as well about it. I just wanted to uplift. I really appreciated the hyperlinks that you included in your memo. That was very helpful, referring to other materials and backgrounds and videos. And um, it, it didn't make for a long memo, but there was still a lot of information that we could continue to work back to. Thank you. Do you think there's concern for the lack of attendance? Is that a concern? That's a good question. And, and, or dropping out before you get to the. Yeah, you know, stuff. this was, so we, like I mentioned, we've had, um, we had 45, but we had, we had about 37 to 39 at most of our first meetings. So I think this one, it will be, we'll be interested to see what the next one is. Um, I don't think there's too much concern, but we're checking, we'll check in with folks to see um, what happened. I know that in the ComSag, which is the Community Safety Advisory Group, I believe, um, doing is the fire ballot measure, they had some attrition loss as well, where they started out bigger and it got a little smaller, so we were looking like we weren't going to have too much of that. So I think well, it's kind of anticipated that that might happen along the way, um, but I think with, the, with it being December and the holidays, I think that was extra tricky, um, but so far I don't think we've had as many people say they won't be able to make the other meetings, and you know, prioritization might also lead to people saying let's definitely be there. It's also, from what I can tell, Stats like that. But it's not the same people missing each week. So it's, yeah. it's not like Sarah just stopped showing up and falling off the stuff. <laughs> Sarah made this one meeting and then Heather just. So it's, yeah. And that's to be expected over a course of. to um, give an update on where we're at with the RFP process for KTUB tonight, and then the meat of our presentation is going to be kind of a side-by-side -side comparison of the two top external proposals that we receive alongside the city's model. Um, so we're going to talk through that, and then 
we have uh, some key questions that we would like you to think about as you are taking in this information tonight, and we'll come back to these at the end. Um, but these are what we, we want to focus the discussion around. How do those different models compare? Um, what programs and services should be prioritized at KTUB? And then if you had to, what would you reduce or remove in order to prioritize the most critical services? Uh, so first off, just a, a quick review of what's happened so far. So there were five proposals that were received. Um, these came from Studio East, which is a nonprofit focused on serving youth um, around uh, performance, theater performance. Uh, Camp Music was another one. Um, this is another nonprofit, serves all ages, focused on uh, musical performance. Washington Autism Alliance was a grassroots organization focused on serving uh, neurodiverse people of all ages. And then the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club, which we'll chat more about tonight. There was an evaluation team that was put together made up of city staff from Parks and Community Services Department, and then we also had someone from the city manager's office. And this group um, evaluated all of the proposals based on the, the written criteria, evaluation criteria, and the RFP. Um, this was things like the organizational history of each group, um, their alignment with the city's uh, vision for KTUB and what they would do to operate it, particularly around um, are they proposing offering comprehensive uh, programs and services for teens. We also looked at their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies, their proposed community partners, and scored them all. And through that process, the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club were the two that kind of floated to the top. And so they were invited back for interviews. Uh, we've done two interviews with each at this point. We had um, each give a presentation in November. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had them back for a follow-up um, kind of panel interview format. Um, so tonight, we're going to walk through the models side by side um, and would like to hear your feedback again around those questions of what would you prioritize? What programs and services would you prioritize? And what would you reduce or remove if you needed to? So, alrighty. So before we jump into the side-by-side -side comparisons, we're going to give a brief background on the two external proposals. I know you both, you all received the two proposals in advance, so you were able to look at the history, but we just want to touch on a few pieces. So in regards to the Boys and Girls Club, they do have a fairly long history with the city. They currently operate a club up off 124th. They serve about 1,000 youth a year. At their current site, they serve a wider range than what they would serve at KTUB. So right now they serve 5 to 18. And their vision, we'll get into this in a little bit, is really to create a pipeline to allow teens to have KTUB as their own space and to be able to separate those ages out. They've gotten a lot of feedback from youth that they want their own space, and a lot of them have siblings that attend that club, so they've said, love my siblings, we'd like to have our own space. <laughs> so eventually those numbers we would see increase, but we would expect to see kind of a decrease. Um, the city does currently fund the club through Human Services grant funding, and they've been a great partner to work with. They are a club-based after-school program, as I'm sure you picked up on in reviewing the proposals. 
um, the two areas of focus that they looked at and focus on and are really experts in is youth development. So they have a wide variety of programs that touch on character and leadership development, workforce readiness, and then they also have more social and active programs as well. So being able to focus on recreation, movement, things like that. One of the things that they have expanded um, to include in their service offerings is mental health services, recognizing that that has been an increased need for a lot of the youth that they're serving. So in regards to their proposal, um, they're currently offering weekday drop-in programs, so kind of that after-school time frame of 3 to 6 p.m. Friday night events was another thing that they talked about in both their proposal and the interview. Those would be more social programs and events in nature compared to the drop-in programs. During the summer, they've talked about hosting summer camps, so being able to have all-day programming um, with a wide variety of both social, rec-based, and then also addressing summer learning loss. And then, as mentioned, having behavioral health staff on-site available for youth to access as needed. For the why, um, you'll see a lot of overlap, and I'm sure you picked up on that in reviewing the proposals. Both have very similar models and history with the city. So the why did operate KTUB um, from 2010 to 2020 until the city kind of wanted to press pause to reevaluate to see if KTUB was still meeting the evolve and changing needs of youth, and then the pandemic happened. So they do have a history with the space. They successfully operated out of that. They serve a pretty similar amount of youth per year, and when they were at KTUB, they were serving about 1,100 youth, about 14,000 visits a year, which is pretty on par with what we see for these types of models. One of the things that they emphasize and has really come to light, I think, um, in, the in about like the last decade or so, is kind of bringing more social services into a lot of their programming and part of their model. They talked a lot about their social impact center and really being able to focus on serving and providing resources to youth that have experienced trauma and may have more barriers when accessing services. So pretty huge focus on social justice and equity. Again, I know you've read the proposals, so you probably saw that show up in their proposal. In regards to kind of the specifics, they're also looking at drop-in programming during the week as well as on Saturdays. They are also proposing summer camps during the summer, similar programs and services, as well as being able to offer behavioral health staff on site. Um, and as I mentioned, um, their social impact center, which is a fairly newer arm of the Y, would be um, kind of the mechanism that's providing those services in the space. And those four arms are housing, foster care, um, youth adult services, which are focused on workforce readiness and education, um, and then prevention. So again, with a focus on youth that have experienced trauma. And then we wanted to give just a little overview of the city's proposal as well. We know you know us, but we want to kind of talk about the unique combination of um, expertise that the city has if we were to operate um, KTUB. And um, this proposal is being developed by Jen and I and our team. So there's, there's really a, a nice collaboration and a, a cross between recreation and human services represented in the city's pr proposal. Um, so you know, from the rec division, we're, we have the experience operating facilities. We do that for our community centers. We provide recreational programs for all ages. 
And then the Human Services Division is coordinating and funding support systems and social services in Kirkland for community members. Um, so we would like to, to bring those skill sets and those expertise uh, to KTEP and the operation to serve teams. We um, feel like we have a good sense of what the community's needs are, both in terms of recreation program and human services, specifically for youth and teens, and that's reflected in the proposal. Um, the, the city's mission, the department's mission, is really rooted on um, improving quality of life and, and promoting sustainable, healthy communities. Um, our proposal also looks very similar to what the Boys and Girls Club and YMCA are offering. Um, we are also looking at a weekday drop-in program after school. We're planning a Friday and Saturday night events, late night events. Um, summer camp is also on our list, as is a behavioral health staff who would be on site and available for youth to access. And we're looking at an art therapy program, and we'll go into detail about all of these um, as we move forward here. So here's where we get into the comparison. We'll start with the after-school drop-in programs uh, for Boys and Girls Club. So they would be offered um, on weekdays after school. Youth would first be welcomed with a snack as they arrive, and then there would be different rotating activities that youth would participate in. Um, might be games like foosball or playing cards, uh, homework help, getting you know tutoring support, uh, doing a self-guided art project, yoga, dance, or participating in a youth force program, which is the life skills, employment preparedness, college prep um, uh, program also looks at things like financial literacy. Um, they also discussed STEM programs like coding and then programs that would be driven by youth interest. So they mentioned a few examples, podcasting, music lessons, and lyricism. And then they also made a point to talk about um, being able to connect with families at the end of the day during pickup. And then on Fridays, they would have a teen event that would be open to non-club members as a way to bring in new youth into their membership program. The YMCA's looks very similar. Um, these would also be offered um, on weekdays after school, and then as Jen mentioned, on Saturday afternoons as well. So they have a welcome and a snack. Um, games, they mentioned pool, uh, homework help again, with volunteer tutors, uh, recreation and arts programs, and then rotating activities and workshops, and. I'll chat more about those on one of the next um, slides. These would be happening on their Saturday um, afternoon times. And then on Fridays, they plan to do um, events again with food and music and different recreational activities. The city's after-school drop-in programs um, would also welcome, um, uh, start out with a welcome and a snack available. We would have games available as well, um, drop-in, uh, ping-pong, board games, social games to get people communicating, youth communicating with each other. We would have homework help. We really uh, heard from youth this fall the importance of having a quiet space to study and tutors available, whether it's peer-to-peer -peer tutoring or an adult tutoring program. Um, and we also plan to have a technology station with, uh, or technology lab with charging stations and laptops that students could check out, um, access to a printer. 
that sort of thing. Good Wi-Fi is another thing we, we heard there is very important uh, need. Um, we'll, we're planning art and music programs that Jen's going to chat about in a little bit, um, but these would be provided by a partnering service provider. And then we would also have life skills workshops really focusing on life after high school. This could be financial literacy, um, uh, college prep or career prep, or exploring other service opportunities after high school. Um, and then we're looking at um, activities to support physical health, uh, yoga, sports, dance, that sort of thing. And then on Fridays and Saturdays, these would be late night um, programs really focused on socialization, There'd be food, um, and then maybe you know movies, game nights, tournaments, um, uh, youth band performances, open mic night, dances, that sort of thing. Pool parties is another one. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, each um, each organization also proposed some supplemental programs. So these might be ones that rotate through KTUB on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, or they might be offered. Um, uh, as a kind of supplemental to the drop-in programs. So for um, Boys and Girls Club, uh, building character and leadership is a really important part of their mission. So they have clubs that are dedicated to uh, developing character and leadership and citizenship um, and focusing on gaining skills and planning and decision-making and contributing to the community. Uh, so along with that, they're their middle school club is really focused on service projects and bringing those forward to club members to participate in. They are also um, talking about sport and recreation programs. These would be um, focused on physical health and wellness, and they had several different um, examples of this in their proposal. They also have um, academic success as a really important part of their mission. Um, these include the homework help and then computer coding, and they have um, a big focus on this in their, their summer programs with the Summer Learning Loss Prevention Program. And then uh, various supplemental art programs. They mentioned photography, music making, fine art exhibits, um, several different health and wellness programs to support healthy habits, workforce readiness um, to explore different interests and skills, and then they also discussed their Rainbow Club, which is an LGBTQ plus group for youth. For the YMCA, they had four programs that were rotating on Saturdays. Um, their Employment Preparedness Job Club, where volunteers come in and help with um, resume development and mock interviews. Uh, they also plan to do mental health workshops on various topics they had suggested. Um, one of them might be suicide prevention, equity and justice, youth-led activities and speakers was another rotating Saturday activity. And then, um, I'm so sorry, I've got a tickle in my throat. <laughs> And then their last rotating one was field trips to arts or sporting events, and they talked about um, taking kids to Lumen Field and using that as a way to connect sports with social justice topics. And then um, they also would provide other programs, either on an individualized support basis or on a kind of regular schedule. <clears throat> and these would be um, to support and provide services and programs for youth who may be experiencing homelessness, 
youth involved in first-time offenses, youth involved in foster care, um, youth interested in job training. They discussed a barista and a customer service kind of job training program. Um, and then youth who've experienced school discipline was another one. They um, talked about this potential idea to have youth serve their suspension at KTUB rather than be isolated at home and have a, a place to, to spend that. Um, and then youth from BIPOC and LGBTQ plus communities was another um, area that they had identified. Uh, for the city, these are the list of supplemental programs that we're looking at in our model. Some of these we are planning regardless of whether or not we have KTUB or not, they will happen, which is nice. Um, and if, if the city does operate KTUB, they would move to KTUB and that would be their home base. Um, but we plan to continue many of the outdoor recreation trips that were piloted this summer. This is the hiking, river floating, um, kayaking trips, and then we would add winter activities to that as well. Again, really focused on providing safe, accessible, welcoming opportunities for people to participate in the outdoors, especially those who maybe haven't had that opportunity. Um, we're also going to provide field trips. These could be to different um, events, music, or sporting events, uh, tours, farm tours was something that we've heard youth mention, and visits to museums, and anywhere else that teens want to go. Um, we're planning outdoor yoga, various uh, sports league opportunities, and sports samplers, um, cooking classes, art classes that we hope to continue to provide with a partnership with the Kirkland Art Center, um, and then uh, more workshops on kind of life after high school, job skills, employment readiness, financial literacy, um, that sort of thing. First aid CPR training, um, affinity clubs, and we'd want that to be driven by youth, what they're interested in coming together to talk about. Um, and then a paid high school internship program where you could gain job experience, training and get to support some of these programs themselves, and that would be something that would be continued from this year. For summer programs, um, these are also really similar across the board. Uh, Boys and Girls Club is looking at a day camp that would focus on those core mission areas. Um, academic success, they have a summer brain game program to help prevent summer learning loss and then focusing on healthy lifestyles and good character and citizenship. Um, and these would be at KTUB. The YMCA has a Y Scholars program. Um, and uh, this is also geared at preventing summer learning loss. A big part of this is the Shark Tank business competition where youth form teams and they pitch a, a business idea um, and they have investors who, who buy into that. Um, this is something that wouldn't necessarily be at KTUB, but it would be available to youth who attend KTUB. Uh, Level Up is an event that they want to bring to KTUB in the future. It's kind of a resource fair, job fair, education fair with different workshops. And then they would also have day camp and outdoor leadership camps available to youth. Some of those would operate out of KTUB. And then the city is also planning leadership and adventure day camps for middle school and high school age youth. Um, these would include field trips and special guests that would come to KTUB and then head out from KTUB. Okay, so I'm going to pivot us a little bit and talk about some of the social services that are being proposed between the three proposals. 
So for Boys and Girls Club, as we talked about, they've expanded their programs to include their mental wellness initiative. So part of their proposal talked about the importance of having drop-in hours available for youth, recognizing that right now you often have to receive a referral to then go to an agency to receive services. And for someone who may be experiencing a crisis, that's not very helpful in that moment. So they talked about partnering with Youth Eastside Services, which is one of the leading providers of behavioral health services here on the east side. Um, they actually just received funding from the city through our grant funding process. So if they were invited to operate KTEB, they'd actually be able to operate a full-time position out of there. So during drop-in hours, that position would be available to provide whatever youth need in that moment. And then during off hours, they talked about doing targeted outreach and providing support to teens that maybe aren't enrolled in school. So maybe they are homeschooled, so their school schedule looks a little different. Maybe they're experiencing homelessness or housing instability or they're enrolled in foster care. So making sure they're available to different um, youth needs and youth schedules, that was something that was really important. Um, they also talked about workforce readiness through their youth force program. For the why, again, going back to their social impact center, um, which really touches on four key areas. It's really at connecting youth that have experienced a lot of trauma and have a lot of instability in their life and being able to connect them with resources to provide those behavioral health services. So some of the specific um, youth that they called out in their proposal were, again, youth who maybe are experiencing homelessness or have experienced some sort of instability in the past, those who are perhaps enrolled in the foster care system, those who have experienced poverty, dealt with exploitation, racism, or first-time offenses, and have some sort of connection to the justice system. Again, they're offering um, behavioral health staff on site for kind of a myriad of things. So one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions, drop-in support, and then they also talked about doing workshops, a variety of workshops, so maybe working with those that support youth, whether that's parents, mentors, what have you, but also empowering youth to support their peers and being able to connect with them, check in, and provide resources as well, whether that's at KTUB or elsewhere, maybe in school. And then for the city's model, we are also looking at partnering with two agencies um, that we've worked with in the past. So Youth Eastside Services, again, recognizing the importance of having that drop-in availability for youth. So looking at having a full-time position there during those drop-in hours after school, and then being able to provide outreach and connect with some of our partners in the community that kind of serve those higher at-risk youth populations. We're also looking at partnering with For Tomorrow, um, which is a fairly newer organization that provides um, a pretty wide variety of services to Latinx youth. So they have staff that speak both Spanish and Portuguese and are able to support Latinx youth and their families through kind of a myriad of services. So some of the things they talked about in their proposal were being able to provide gap therapy which is something that, as I mentioned, when someone is needing assistance or wants a referral to a mental health provider, what do they do in that interim? So specifically for the Latinx community, it's really hard to find a provider that maybe speaks Spanish or has had similar experiences to you, and so they're able to kind of provide that interim support as they're waiting to get connected with a behavioral health specialist. 
They also provide financial assistance. And then, as Sarah mentioned, um, they've talked about being able to use art and music through use of the recording studio and the art room to connect with youth. And maybe if behavioral health or talking about that is kind of scary, bringing them in in a different way and then sharing with them the other resources, kind of that assimilation just by being in the space and being able to connect and educate youth and their peers on, hey, if you're feeling this way, here's something that might be helpful for you. They also talked about, um, again, education and empowering youth and their families and their peers to be able to recognize maybe someone who is having a hard time and being able to connect with them and provide a resource or recommend something. So the different ways they talked about doing that on site are through psychoeducation services, support groups, as well as mental health trainings. I think the key um, pieces that are really important for us on the city side and partnering with For Tomorrow and Youth Eastside Services both have staff that are BIPOC-led and they are serving BIPOC youth and they're able to connect with that community, which often has experienced a lot more barriers when receiving behavioral health services. So being able to have staff on site that are bilingual and bicultural, we think will really be able to help us move the needle in making sure that youth, especially who are BIPOC, can access those needed services. All right, so for financial accessibility, Boys and Girls Club as a club model has an a annual membership fee of $50. Um, and then they're also proposing providing transportation from Juanita High School and several area middle schools to KTUB, and they would charge $75 a month for that service. And then their summer camps have a, a more traditional summer camp fee that would vary. Um, they do have a, a really robust scholarship program, and we're very clear that if um, you know, they, they don't want fees, membership fees, to be a barrier to anyone's participation. So um, they seem to have a lot of flexibility around how they would handle um, folks who needed better access um, to their membership. And then they also uh, shared that 100% of fees would be covered for youth who are experiencing housing instability or homelessness. The YMCA is not proposing any fees for their programs except for the summer camps, which again have a kind of varied um, cost depending on age and topic and thing like, things like that. And then the city is uh, proposing no fees for the drop-in programs and the teen nights, the late nights. Um, some of our supplemental programs would have fees um, and some would be provided at low or no cost, so a little bit more of a mix here. Um, we do have a scholarship program to help families uh, in, with low income access our, our programs. It covers program fees depending on income eligibility and the, this would be available to all teens accessing programs at KTUB. Um, however, we know that there are teens who may not have their family support to go through kind of the hoops of navigating an application process for a scholarship program. So, we um, want to get creative in how we can work around that to make sure that the programs are accessible for teens. So some of the things that we're, um, we're planning for and looking at in our operating model are getting additional support through sponsorships, um, donations, and a sliding scale fee structure, kind of pay it forward fee structure so that families who can afford more can maybe cover the cost for others to participate. All right, I'm going to touch on 
the proposed anticipated impact and touch on some of the numbers served that were included in the proposals. So Boys and Girls Club kind of started at that 30,000 degree view um, to look at kind of across the greater Seattle area the number of clubs and members they have to kind of demonstrate their track record and expertise in being able to operate their proposed model. And for their current club, um, they serve about 150 um, members, and that's based on the reports that they submit to the city for the grant funding that they currently receive. So they do have a, sorry, I'm looking at 11 Kirkland Teen Clubs, 7 Sammamish. Is that in regards to their advisory council? I thought that was their, that was the numbers they shared during their interviews. Okay. Sorry, I'm just... Yes. So as I had mentioned, they serve kind of a wider variety of students right now, so kind of that 5 to 18. So right now they touched on some of their teen numbers. I think those numbers are a little low compared to the numbers we receive for our city reports. Um, I think they serve about 125 to 150 annually. And again, as I mentioned, they're hoping to use the existing club site as a pipeline to be able to expand the number of teens that they're serving at KTAB if they were invited to operate the space. For the YMCA, they included data from when they were operating the lease at KTAB. So they touched on the number of youth they hope to anticipate serving moving forward, as well as kind of how those pan out to visits daily and then in an annual um, year. They did say they want to return to similar levels at KTAB. I think, again, it'll take a fairly, you know, lengthy amount of time to ramp back up since they haven't been in the community, and the closest site that they have right now is in Bellevue. So it would take a little bit of time to ramp back up, but they would have about six months to do marketing and kind of push out that they'd be back at KTUB. And they did share some numbers served through their current social impact program, and last year they served 81 residents. So for the city's proposal, um, we've kind of broken it out into kind of recreation and then social services. So through the piloted teen programs that Sarah mentioned um, earlier in the presentation, uh, over 200 teens were served this past year. So using that and some of the other numbers that we have, we've created some rough estimates with some of our partners as well as city staff. So you can see here we have some estimates for program registrations, the number of drop-in visits that we anticipate seeing annually, how many unduplicated youth we anticipate receiving, kind of a myriad of behavioral health services, so whether that's participating in one-on-one -on -one hours of therapy, maybe group counseling sessions, different educational workshops. These are some of the estimates we came up with with our partners based on staffing and projected numbers served. And then in regards to DEIB, so both Boys and Girls Club and the Y identified as anti-racist organizations. So when an organization identifies as anti-racist, they're committing kind of from the top down all the way to those who are on the grounds doing the work to be able to look at the different processes that they have in place, the different policies, how they're offering programs to be able to apply an equity lens to all aspects of their work. Um, so some of the ways that you kind of see that play out in the day-to-day -day programs and offerings that they talked about in their proposal 
were celebrating different heritage months. So some of the ones they called out were celebrating Black and African American History Month, Women's History Month, Autism Awareness. Um, so again, being able to touch on and include different populations to really have those folks have a space to be celebrated and to feel like they're part of that space. They also talked about the importance of making sure that their programs are accessible for a variety of needs for youth, so making sure that there's different mechanisms in place for youth to provide feedback if they need something so they can fully enjoy a program, um, as well as you know from their current sites, knowing kind of what some of those needs are that they can do ahead of time to you know really include inclusive spaces. They also touched on the importance of hiring staff that represent the different needs of the youth that they're serving. So being intentional about staff makeup so staff can share perspective, experience, and be able to advocate for different needs of the different youth that are accessing the space. The why was similar. Um, they also identify as an anti-racist organization. One of the things that I think stood out to the evaluation committee was they talked about comprehensive staff training that all of their staff have to participate in annually that really digs into the relationship between race and poverty and how that shows up during youth development. And that's a requirement of all of their staff to participate in annually. And that was something they talked about and the impact that they see in how staff show up for youth and are able to connect with youth and the things they're thinking about as they're developing services and providing programs. They also touched on the importance of hiring staff um, with both lived experience and shared perspectives of the youth that they're serving. So the city of Kirkland, um, very similar, we are committed to looking at racism and how that shows up in the city, how we are able to work towards more inclusive, more accessible, and more equitable spaces in all aspects of our work. One of the main functions in how we do that is the DEIB roadmap, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. So that roadmap really serves as a guide in how the city can move the needle and track our progress and how we're moving on the DEIB goals across the board. And KTEB is a great opportunity for us to really be able to implement some of those objectives within the next year. Some of the areas that we're looking at that tie into this DEIB goal is to make sure that we're partnering with agencies that are serving kind of populations that have historically experienced barriers and maybe haven't felt comfortable accessing city spaces in the past. So being able to partner with agencies that have trust within those communities, they've built their relationships, and so if they were able to operate out of that space, those populations would feel like that's a safe place that they could go to access, support, have fun, and get the resources that they need. So we're looking at prioritizing BIPOC agencies, so looking at agencies, again, that have staff that look like the folks that they're serving, they have similar perspectives and experiences that they can share and connect with. And then the last thing that um, we are really looking at is language access, so making sure that we have different tools and resources to make sure that if someone's you know, primary language is not English, we're able to allow them to have access to different resources and programs offerings at the site. All right, Youth Voice. 
see why you had to do a water break. I know. Back yeah, back slides. <laughs> so with Youth Voice, um, obviously this, um, our historian is not here who is on my team and has talked about how from the beginning KTUB has been kind of this, um, it came out of Youth Voice and this need for youth to want to have their own space. And so throughout these proposals, we wanted to say, hey, you know, these proposals are great. How are youth providing input on what you're doing? How is this working for youth? And how, what are the checks and balances to make sure that this is meeting the needs of Kirkland youth? So for the Boys and Girls Club, they talked about their teen advisory board, um, which is a county-wide board right now. They do have a Kirkland resident that sits on that board. And they talked about if they do um, operate out of KTUB, that they would look for more Kirkland representation specifically on that board. They also talked about their Keystone Club, which Sarah mentioned earlier, um, which is a leadership club. So again, it's an opportunity for youth to provide feedback and perspective on what they're currently seeing, what's working, and maybe what's not. They also talked about kind of as they roll out the plan and they start to implement different activities and programs at the site, setting up some sort of routine to check in with participants to see how things are going. Again, trying to make sure that the programs and services are working for those who are accessing the space um, and making adjustments as needed. The Y did talk about their desire to engage the Kirkland Youth Council, um, which is a group that is about 40 members um, right now. So they have been fairly involved in the development of the city's proposal and received this presentation Monday night and have given us really valuable feedback on what is relevant, what is important to teens right now. So the Y talked about wanting to engage that group um, as they're rolling out um, kind of that ramp up time in early 2023 and then engaging them throughout the course of their lease. And then again, being able to connect with program participants to make sure that the services and programs are in alignment with youth needs. For the city, um, we've talked about um, developing an advisory council that does include youth council representation, but kind of casts a slightly broader net, recognizing that there's a lot of different stakeholders that are going to be able to support the success of this space. So some of the different um, groups that we've looked at are different city staff that are involved and are able to support KTUB, those that are participating in the different programs that are offered at the space, police, different partner agencies that are providing those services, so Youth Eastside Services, Boys and Girls Club staff, um, and then parents of youth that are participating at KTUB. And then we would hope that we would be able to partner with the Kirkland Youth Council to provide updates, um, whether that's a few times a year or more often, to let them know what's going on at that space and to collect more feedback. So um, each of the organizations had different um, budgets that they proposed, and, and you can see kind of their detailed breakdown in the proposals. The Boys and Girls Club is seeking a subsidy of $175,000 a year, and they are also interested in support from the city to market what they would have happening at KTUB through presence in the recreation guide and on social media, um, just some, some marketing assistance. Uh, the YMCA is seeking $404,000 a year, and they did say that there's potential for this to 
um, decrease as, if they can get some additional grants. And then we're still looking at our budget details. So the over $500,000 is a rough ballpark estimate at this point. It's something that we um, hope to bring down because we do want the city's model to be comparable to the other two. Um, so this is something that, that we're working on. As I mentioned earlier, there's a teen service package that was approved by city council um, that would continue many of the piloted teen programs that happened this year into 2023 and, and beyond permanently. And so all of that, if we do operate KTEB, would roll into KTEB and operate out of that facility. Um, so that's what we would leverage um, going forward at KTEB as well. So though the models are all pretty similar, there's different levels of investment. As I mentioned, you can, you can see the, the budget breakdown. Um, there's different staffing levels that are proposed at KTEB. And then um, we didn't really chat about it tonight, but one of the things that's, that's boosting up the city's expense right now is that we really want to fully utilize that facility during the day. We don't want it to just be open for 20 hours a week for drop-in programs after school on weeknights, for example. Um, so we're looking at how could we have preschool programs there during the day or adult fitness programs there during the day to help um, fully utilize that space and then also alleviate some of the demand and space pressure that we have at North Kirkland Community Center and Peter Kirk Community Center. So the, the budgets for that would be included in this, this K-Tub ballpark number right now as well. Was that offered to the other we did ask them um, uh, how they plan to utilize KTUB during the day. Um, Boys and Girls Club talked about offering uh, mental health first aid training to their staff and doing trauma-informed care to their staff and just generally making the building available for rentals, community meetings, um, that sort of thing. Maybe leasing it out to other organizations to offer recreational programs during the day. Um, and the Y talked about using it also for some staff um, trainings, and but largely kind of planning administrative time during the day and really focusing their um, service and their after school program. Um, so um, this was a lot. We're gonna get to our discussion in just a moment, but first I wanna go through next steps. Um, so this month, uh, this week, Jen and I are doing our road show. So we were at um, Youth Council on Monday night giving this presentation, Human Services Commission last night, and here with you all tonight. So really want to hear your feedback so that we can bring that forward to Council in January um, and give them a presentation and have them kind of make the final decision on who would operate KTUB. The current lease goes through the end of May 2023. So, um, if a decision is made in January, that would give a nice chunk of time to whoever is operating that to, as Jen was talking about, kind of ramp up and make sure that they have their outreach and you know marketing and hiring that they're going to need to do and, and program planning and service planning in place. Um, so with a turnaround kind of time frame, um, KTUB would open to youth sometime next summer, we're anticipating. So with that, we can leave this up on the screen and open it up for questions and comments and your feedback. So I've looked over the 
the presentations that were the proposals that were included in the, uh, the documents for the, for the board. And as I walked away from reading those and, and listening to tonight's presentation, I was not at all clear what the staffing levels are going to be to support the plethora of programs and services uh, that all three programs are going to offer. You know, the Boys, the Boys and Girls Club is, their budget is $271,000. YMCA is $504,000. Cities is $500,000. But, but during the presentation, they said we're going to have a full-time YES person on site. We're going to have a full-time mental health person on site. And I'm listening to and when I look at the list of the services, a lot of skilled things that they're going to offer that require some, some talent to people to, to provide that service. And I didn't understand how that was going to happen, given that very, uh, the, the budgets that I just talked about are pretty small. They're not big budgets at all. But there's a lot of offerings. And I'm trying to understand how that works. So my understanding for the why, they have a line item in their budget for $100,000 for what they're calling auxiliary staff, and yeah. I believe that's where they're planning to fund their behavioral health specialist staff, kind of through through some of the, um, the services that are already embedded into their organization that would be present at KHAB, they would fund um, that those staffing. And I, Jen, you can probably speak more to the Boys and Girls Club, but I'm I'm thinking that that behavioral, that's grant funded by you all. Yes. Yeah. So they're leveraging private dollars and city dollars to be able to bring on a full-time position. So they're only requesting about 50% of the position's time fully so, loaded. So they're confident that they can get all of these volunteer uh, individuals to, with these very specialized skill sets to, to, be, to be available to support the services that, that you've outlined. So they have a mixture of volunteers and then staff that provide it, but it's based on their current club model. And so we also felt like the staffing was a little under what we would expect for that site, but they said based on their experience with the current okay. club and numbers being decreased because they'll split the ages, that they felt like it was appropriate for kind of their initial. And I also saw that, I'm sorry, but um, I also saw the quite a variance on the number of teens that would utilize the services, the, the Boys and Girls Club compared to the YMCA. There's quite a, quite a difference, I think. And I have to wonder which one of those models is really correct on, on the number of people that would be there to use the services because that would that also impacts my my question of how many people the staffing would need to be there to provide the service mm -hmm. so that was that was one that jumped out of me is that boys and girls club the very appear to be much much lower estimate on number of teens mm -hmm. that'll be using the facility so that would that those are my my take I'm, I'm confused so it's hard, it's hard for me to answer some of these questions. I don't really, I just not, don't know. 
So with the Y, looking at their previous numbers from when they were operating it back in 2019, they were seeing about 52 youth a day. So they anticipate recognizing they have that ramp up time in early 2023 to get back to those numbers. One of the things I think both the Y and Boys and Girls Club have advantage is they have databases of all of the youth that have perhaps touched their programs. And so they're able to do really intentional marketing and getting folks connected with that space. Yeah. I think the Boys and Girls Club, we will see smaller numbers um, as they start to build out that pipeline, but that will take time. It will take years to build up, I would say, similar numbers served. Um, again, I think we asked them this in the interviews, and one of the things they talked about is working with the city to be able to push out and support and connect more youth with the space yeah. and helping them kind of get the word out, getting into the schools, things yeah, like I, that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And to, to be clear, I fully support K2. I think it's such a valuable component for Kirkland to offer its teens. So whatever it takes, let's, let's do it. Great question. Thank you. I don't have a question so much as a comment. I think that the Boys and Girls Club subscription model or monthly membership fee is a barrier to a lot of um, youth in the city that might want to use it. Is it per month or is it per year? It's per year. Per year. I mean, per year. The monthly with the transportation. Yeah. 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 Well, and they have the annual membership, which is nominal, but yeah. They, they did in their, I don't know if it was as, as reflected in their proposal, but in the interview they did talk about how um, they, they really don't want that to be a barrier, and so they, they seem very flexible, and, you know, if, if a family or a youth approached them and could, you know, could not afford that, they would they would waive that. They would want to work with them yeah. to yeah. remove that. Um, So, so through this RFP process, we sought out external proposals. We said, come submit a, a proposal to operate um, KTA. But meanwhile, the city is going to develop what it would look like if we were to operate it. So, that, yes, that third column is. So, that is a possibility. Okay. That is a possibility. Well, so yeah. Sorry. Was that disclosed both the Boys Club and YMCA? Yeah. So, it was printed in the RFP document itself. Yeah. And in the RFP document, and forgive me if I didn't read it carefully enough, did it outline the expectations for how many teams, what outcome we're looking for from the city? What's the mandate? And 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 the the membership, you know, you come to a club after school, you know, this is so the RFP did not include any um, outcomes that were measurable in that way, like how many youth 
they're expected to engage. Um, we asked about you know their operating hours. We asked about their program planning and how many youth they anticipate coming. Um, but that's not something that was. Um, was so there's, no problem. there's no requirement. There's no there problem we're trying to solve. We just know that you have teen residents of Kirkland that need. Right. So the criteria that was in there was the city's vision for KTEB, which was rooted in the city's comp plan, the human services section that talks about um, having comprehensive programs and services for teens and, um, and you know, what we're trying to achieve with KTEB, but not, you know, it needs to be this model and it needs to serve so many things per year. And sorry if I can follow that up with well, I'm just trying to understand the the city pays for the services contracts. And we're just looking whether it's our own staff or the Y the city's paying a hundred percent of whatever the budget is arrived at. So the city has budgeted right now in twenty three twenty four. $160,000 a year to subsidize operations at KTUB. Okay. So both both organizations asked for more than that. Boys and Girls Club asked for 175 and Y asked for 404 So So both are asking for more than what we have allocated at this point. We are also asking for more than we have allocated at this point. Um, so there's, there's a funding question that council will get to decide what they want to do. And then there's a kind of a level of service question that goes along with that as well. Um, and then the follow-up is both the Boys Club and the Y has infrastructure for fundraising. They have development departments and they have grant writers. Um, that's not something that the city has as an extra um, opportunity to, to the Y's point that they could, could yeah. seek, um, seek funding. So that's kind of an interesting yes. add there. In the the um, positions that we are proposing with the city's model to operate KTO, um, a, a called out part of their role would be seeking out sponsorships and donations and really providing additional funding support for KTO. Okay. If I could just follow up with the, since now I found the clarification. Um, The experience that I think we've had with the Y, when they were the operator, I don't think was very good. I think it created a lot of problems, actually. And there were externalities to it, too. Okay. Um, things that happened in the park, calls for police for service, damage to the facility and equipment, um, a whole bunch of stuff like that. Um, so I kind of have a, a negative view of that one whatever else they're playing. Um, the Boys and Girls Club, well, I've had personal experience with that with my own kids and the more I've been for it. And I like their outline a lot better to me about what they're going to focus on and what they're going to do. And I felt maybe that some of that might be uh, more attractive to the general population that we have that we're serving and not narrowly focused on maybe the subsection of the population. And when I think back to when uh, the team center or whatever they were calling it originally. The reason it was formed is because it was like there didn't seem to be enough places in Kirkland for teenagers to go to and hang out. And it started out like that and after a little while it really took a turn. And not a turn for the good, a turn for the, it kind of hurt the reputation within the community too, I think. 
and the neighbors, such as they were, cannot um, walk. So um, I, I'm kind of on the idea of you know, the broadest section of our population would be served. Um, I think it's best served by either the city of Kirkland's plan or the Washington's plan. And either way, I don't think the money's going to be the deciding choice. They're all going to work out whether they're getting from, whatever source they're getting it from, it's going to be about. But I think the Y is actually asking for the biggest subsidy with the least amount of track record to produce. So I would dismiss them, but I would keep it between the Rosen Rose Club and the city. And I don't know what it would take for the city to staff up to now to do it. You don't have those folks right now, right? So the quickest way to get it into place is probably going so it depends on the services offered. We'd contract out the social services, but then on the rec side, we would have to hire the majority of the staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There might be some existing staff that would be relocated. Yeah, that, I saw the live date in the middle of next year. Yeah, that's when the lease would be. Yeah, the lease would begin, and so there's you know there'd be a turnaround period necessary. But yeah, whoever is there would have a period of several months to get. Does people the hire. You need to be refurbished before it can be before it can be opened again. Because I'm under the impression I've been in it for a but maybe there's um, some things that need to be fixed first. The the bones I think are just fine. They're great, but there's there's not a lot of furniture and equipment that the city owns that's still in there, um, or or there's some, but it's. 20 years old and it needs to be replaced this at this point. Yeah, so a, a big part of the city's um, uh, budget proposal is um, furniture, fixtures, and equipment to really get the right um, furniture in there and TVs and video games and you know stuff that teens are going to want to um, hang out around. Sure. And also one last thing about the Boys and Girls Club. I really like their emphasis on, um, you know, getting tutors and STEM and having some recreation and leadership training. I think those are all things that are um, really great for really every age, but especially those years where kids are kind of searching for how they're going to fit in and what they're going to do. I did like that almost all of them had a, some emphasis on financial literacy. I'm like, oh, words, that means different things to different people. But as a general concept, you know, I think that's a good thing because that's how I'm, Sometimes trouble starts if you don't have that. Yeah. I like um, the city's uh, emphasis on outdoor activities and doing yeah. the, the hiking. And um, also that the city could activate the space during the daytime when teenagers aren't using it. And could, could that be an opportunity for extra funding if you had additional programs there? It would be nice to have a, a city building that's being utilized by, you know. Sure citizens, people that live here rather than just administrative functions. Is there potential funding from the ballot measure initiative for ketone space the city was going to take that on? I, I think that's possible. I don't know that it's something that we've um, talk, talked about in great detail. Mm -hmm. um, t timing will probably be tight yeah. if we find out in January what's going to happen with ketone, but um, How long is the I mean, 
Um, I think the five years. Is it five years to start? Yeah. Previously, it's been 10 year leases, but this one we put a five year lease because that was potentially a site for a rec center. Um, but I still think it's a good option for the first lease to be a five year lease. Figure out how to, whoever we get. Yeah. You're not stuck with them for 10 years. Teens plus maybe a senior center plus stuff. Uh, I can't remember all the other stuff the consultant had, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. So not ten. <laughs> In the live presentation, did they address their previous uh, the previous concerns? I was, I wasn't resident, so I'm not familiar. But did did they did they address the previous management of the space or the program? <laughs> That did not come up during the interviews, but we, um, in their proposal, the evaluation team noticed some language that they were disappointed that their contract was not renewed and that they were not operating in that space. And so one of the things we asked in the interview process was, you know, we noticed this, and do you think there's a need for a repair for that relationship with the city? Is that is that broken? Is there some, some work that needs to be done there? And um, I'll, I'll let others who were there um, chime in on this, but my my sense in their response was that there was some acknowledgement that there might be some, some work that needs to happen, but they were really um, ready to move forward in a positive way and wanted you know wanted to have a productive partnership with the city of selected. John and Jen, I don't know if you have other interpretations of how that conversation went. So, okay, so now that I've gotten some feedback to my questions, I have my opinion. <laughs> Sorry. So um, from an objective standpoint of dollars, the Boys and Girls Club um, seems to be the only one that, that sort of was working within the parameters of the, the financial uh, allocation um, to, to meet a budget, right? So To be clear, there was no... You have to be under $160,000. We said, what do you want from the city? Yeah. So there was not a... Mm -hmm. okay. The guy was right, they asked for the most. <laughs> Just to clarify. Well, they asked for the least. The least. The why? No, I was talking the boys and girls. No, that's right. So, 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 so from a fiduciary standpoint, without a requirement to meet a certain number of um, youth, with no, you know, no goal set, of how many youth to to receive, they'll probably reach the the, the least amount with with the least amount of dollars. Um, the the city has the. I, I mean, I think it depends on whether the city wants to be in the business of delivering its own services or not. I mean, it's always going to be more expensive, I think, to run the whole to run the whole shebang. So so I think. I think there are some holes in, in, in what the city's asking for by not being clear about what outcomes we're looking for for our community. Um, and, and so I, I, guess, I guess if there were additional, I, I would go back to the pros plan, you know, and look and say, how, how do we quantify what we're looking for to get for return on our investment? When you go to the city for four hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars for us to do it, or for you know one hundred seventy-five for the boys and girls, what do we want to get from our investment? 
and, and I think having some more detail around that would be helpful to know if the organizations that have that, that can leverage their their umbrella organization to meet those goals has more sort of bang for the buck than the city doing it on its own. Um, once we go forward with the, we, if we look at it for taking the next five years, we can hedge and say let's have a short contract. By the time the new rec center's built, we can beef up staff and run a daycare and run an after school program and run all these things. Um, we'll have more resources and more facilities behind us. It's sort of one way I look at it. You know, go with one of the contracts for the first five years and then develop a plan to staff all the larger programs going forward beyond that once once we have the facilities of um, different sites. That's just sort of... To be clear, you're recommending boys and girls um, Not necessarily. I'm asking for more information on on what outcomes the city wants. If you just want to have somebody in the building run a, a modest program and have the Boys and Girls Club. If you want some, I, I, I think, I like the WISE proposal. I think it's, it's comprehensive. I don't know the history. You've got a large organization. You've got people who belong to WISE. They can get donations. They can fund it um, by going out with their development team to, to raise the money. I think the city staff becoming fundraisers is not a good use of city resources. That's, you know, that's um, partnership with the Kirkland Parks and Community Foundation would be fine, and, and saying is this something that the, the foundation wants to get behind? But I think having the director of the program have to be a fundraiser and write grants, I, I don't think that's that's your job. Um, but that's. I wanted to um, bring us back to the discussion point questions that you are presenting. I mean, one of officially I'm confusing myself, obviously, it's because of my my position, and, and, and I honestly I don't think that's what you're asking. You're not asking us what organization we want or what proposal. Um, but to the questions you are presenting, I think the the three are, are pretty much comparable. Um, the two bottom bullet points I want to emphasize and lift up are core um, customers, our, our core target, our youth. And so I would say the answer to both of those would be, would need to be, you need to drive the answer to those questions. Um, you had lifted up that you presented at the Youth Council on Monday. Um, I would be, I would strongly suggest that that is the, the priority of feedback and um, that as decisions are being made, that, um, that the, the voice of the youth are centered in that. Um, so what programs and services should be prioritized, what is needed, and the only folks that know what is needed are the youth. You know, what should we produce or remove? Again, I think we should be leading the answers to that question. So I just kind of never looked that up. Any other questions, comments, or questions? I think it's great that you created the youth 
But I don't know that, you know. I've been a kid. <laughs> I mean, for the kids that aren't running around. It's been a while, though. It's been a while. I just think about what were my priorities and what were they doing. This is for the kids that aren't programmed with their fee-for-service programs like gymnastics and crew and, you know, have the money to do all those things. So, you know, I don't, I don't know the demographics of our teen families, but I like the focus of the the why and the um, and the boys and girls club on the underserved and being able to find them by linking the partner and I imagine the city would be able to, to find them as well because they're the ones that can't can't do the other thing. Mm -hmm. Without without the input, we'll never be kind of a kind of community wide attendance. So you gotta have the input. But I'm just tempering it a little bit with teenage day versus adult day. Sounds like we've wound down our questions. Any final burning uplift? So council making the decision with the January they could say, I mean, they could you need to come back, yeah. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. They have. Yeah. Okay. No further questions? I, before we move on to the next business item, I'm going to have a recess. We need a break. Let's do a quick five-minute break, pull our water, stretch our legs. We will reconvene at 8.48.
Uh, we are going to start with the role of chair. So I will open um, the floor for nominations for the position of park board chair beginning at the adjournment of this meeting. Um, I think if we have one oh, nomination. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. Sorry. Yes. My, do you want to and um, will you please share? I'm not bashful about talking, you know that. So. <laughs> no, uh, I've been on the board for three years. I truly, truly enjoy what I do and who I get to work with. And I look, this board is so valuable. We've done great things already, and I see the future the same way. So I look forward to being, uh, being the chair if, uh, if elected. Thank you. And also with having just one nomination, um, and that nomination being accepted, we can also do a verbal. You could call it because there it won't be a named vote because we only have one choice. Okay. So you can. All those in favor to elect my colleague as the new park board chair, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? None being.
both agreeing to do that? I'll read the lands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, in all seriousness, no, it's, it isn't it isn't really difficult. I do want to give a kudos to Heather, who is phenomenal in what she does, and she provides amazing support um, and super responsive, um, so you all are in Okay, there being no further business items, the business items portion of the meeting is closed. I will now open the communications portion of the meeting. Um, there was uh, some correspondence in our board packet. Thank you, John, for responding to Mr. Keller's Inquiry, inquiry and directing him. I'm sure it came in like during the last board meeting and I think I told my guy for break. I was like, hey, Bill, I'll check your email. Yeah. 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 But I think I wanted to make sure that it got put in the package where everyone saw it. I did talk to Bob. Cool. Bob Keller, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, are there any questions or comments about the monthly report? Sarah sent out earlier today, Sarah Rock. Sent up with the October and the November monthly report. Um, I just wanted, again, as always, um, lift up such a phenomenal report that it is, and Sarah Rock does such a great job. Now that I know what it takes going into that, I appreciate it, and I strongly encourage everyone to read it. Every it is such a great high-level um, uh, opportunity to see what's happening in parks and. Um, not just but in human services and recreation within the parks. Um, it's great talking points as you go to um, neighborhood association meetings and it's a great way to just stay aware of what's happening. So I just want to do a plug. Yes. I had a, just a quick comment on um, one of John's uh, monthly documents. Kirkland Green was called out uh, for all the work they've done this year. Here it is, December, the end of the year, that it highlighted the achievement that that volunteer group has done to foster and enhance Kirkland Parks uh, and the, uh, the number of stewardships that have been put in place this year by them is pretty impressive. So that's, that's, we're so fortunate to have that organization to partner with. Here in Kirkland, so thank you. Any other comments? Uh, does staff have any updates or information to share with the board? Um, there's the memo that has a few talking points. It was kind of like this month, but uh, next month might be like December and the holidays. But again, always use the monthly report. These meetings, any other updates, you can always ask us your questions, so we're happy to provide that information for you. Um, any other staff updates? I got one more, but I'll save it for you. I'm not a small one. Special occasion in my shop. One of our supervisors, his name is Ryan Fowler, he uh, became the street manager here. And so we process uh, 
had some good external candidates, but the one on the top was an internal candidate, Rob Martinson. And he does a plot to try and file a great customer service, great person, very knowledgeable about the division he oversees. And uh, so I'm going to have him come at some point to see if he can meet him and he's in the facility. Sorry, Ms. Palmer. Great guy, yeah. Um, but no, that, that was a little small hand up. Other than that, just lots of things going on. It's that time of year. <laughs> lots of service out there helping out the fire and police when it snows and helping out Ryan a little bit on the, on the street side of it. But uh, it's nice to have a full staff. People Planted lots of trees this, this uh, winter and fall. We just planted the last of this last week. I think we planted a little over. Well, we planted lots of small ones. We planted over a hundred, I would say, decent sized ones are all about four to sixteen. It's pretty significant. It's a lot of time to go through and um, get all the data. But I'm not sure that was before, but they just finished up this last one. Other than that, lots of people excellent. So, last up, and I've got is more just they say. Thank you to Amanda for your service on the park board. As you all know, Amanda has been resigning from, not only she's not, she's not done being chair today, she's also resigning from park board so that she doesn't work for 10. We get her full time, so I guess I'll, I'll be okay with it. Uh, I really do appreciate everything you've done for the board and, and sticking on for a few extra months. Uh, we did buy, would be oh, saying goodbye to the parks people without plan to remember us by, <laughs> and I like seconds, so I'm not watching them. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are. You have to watch them. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you on your way to work on Yes, I run into Tammy when she's walking her dog around the hall. Thank you very much. And I would like to thank uh, Amanda also. Uh, I think Tessa just alluded to it just a moment ago. We went the entire year as vice chair, and I did not have to facilitate <laughs> So solid, rock steady, fantastic, and then a nice job. Thank you. Well, I, sh I should have prepared you better. Let you know what you're getting into. And now you tell me. It's too late. So what does everybody think about in-person versus teams meetings going forward? Can we make a decision right now? I think it's the Oh, yeah. Okay. Just think about it. I've got an invite that I asked about for the park board meeting council chambers. So I was kind of confused about that. Let's say you reserve the room. The reason we're not in council chambers is that some will beat us in the room. Normally we'd be in council chambers with microphones and hear everything. We have booked 423. Does it have to be? Fully. We can't be booked. So when you talk about at some point last year, perhaps every other month or quarterly in person or quarterly virtual or whatever it may be, we can send out a survey because we're missing. Amy tonight, uh, and I know it sounds like Tammy's out of town for the, the January meeting. 
<laughs> Which is the beauty of the virtual. Right. There is an effort the city is trying to make to make them a hybrid so that it could be in person or virtual. Uh, I don't know if that was for both participants and spectators or how that would actually work, how they come to the board. Do we get pizza every time? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the budget for food every time. Hot lunch. What do people think? Would you prefer any person? Do you prefer virtual? You put it on the agenda for the change. Okay, let's do that. How about that? January discussion. Yes. Yeah. 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 January what? A January discussion on virtual or in person. For, for the group that's here, since you get to decide. I would say virtual through the dog days of winter, and then when it gets nicer. I don't get it out of my pajamas all winter. <laughs> but that's just me. So if we can do hybrid, I'll I'll, I'll be I'll actually be away for January. So that, with Amanda resigning and not having a youth member on the board right now, we're down to six. So the fewer people we have, it's harder to meet corners. If there's adults or anything like that, it doesn't become more challenging. Uh, and so that is something to take into account when we're considering virtual or in-person. So I don't want to, if also Tammy's not being able to attend, I don't want to that someone gets sick, yeah, someone goes on vacation, life happens. Can't so one person on it. We can, we can do it. If it's hybrid, I'm we can figure something out. I don't not want to participate. For January, do we want to say virtual to start with, or do we want to do virtual? Sure. Virtual? virtual. I do either, whatever. We'll do virtual January with a discussion to talk about what we want to have an actual game plan going forward, and we will have more information about the virtual, or excuse me, the hybrid capabilities. First, I want to thank uh, staff. It's been a delight for having you in the park board capacity. Uh, my introduction to Parks and Community Services, um, serving in this position. Obviously, for the past time, I wanted to become one of you, so I enjoyed meeting <laughs> you. Um, just the highest caliber of staff. Um, greatly appreciate all of you. Um, also, thank you to my fellow park board members. It has been a joy to connect. I'm sad that we couldn't have done these type of in-person meetings more, um, but understandably, that's just the way it works out. Um, I appreciate each one of your contributions to the board. I strongly encourage you to speak up, share, feel comfortable taking up space, comfortable asking questions, getting involved. Um, our opportunities to act as conduits of information between the city council and our neighbors and our, our community is so necessary. Um, our parks and recreation is a golden highlight in the city of Kirkland. It's what we're known for, it's what our, our residents, our fellow neighbors really appreciate. Um, and so it's a great opportunity and you guys have an important role and I, I know that you guys are doing a wonderful job and I appreciate you and I feel like it is in good hands. Um, I 
provided my contact information and my little card that I gave. So stay in contact if I can assist in any way getting connected to neighborhood associations. I'm more than happy. So thank you all. I appreciate you joining me so much. Um, there being no further business, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you.